0: Las Vegas it's more than just a city it's a feeling it's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window it's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard taking in the sights and sounds and it's that feeling of satisfaction knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year and I'm one of them taking you to the world famous vegas strip and beyond my name is jeff and this is jeff does vegas welcome to another special bonus episode of jeff does vegas it's been a hot minute or two since you and i had a chance to have a little one-on-one time so as we approach the end of the summer and get set to roll into the fall i thought it might be a good opportunity to sit down and have a little conversation get you all up to speed on what's been going on with myself and the podcast we are going to recap some of the most recent episodes of the podcast in case you've missed out on anything you want to go back and check those out going to talk about some of my upcoming travel plans over the next little while as well do they or do they not include a trip to Las Vegas stick around and find out also going to share plans with you about what we've got coming up on the podcast episodes that are in the works some very very cool stuff on the way so without any any further ado, let's get to it. So before we do anything, I just want to take a moment to remind you to make sure that you follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Jeff Does Vegas is Everywhere, Of course, by following the podcast, that means that you're going to get instant notification as soon as new episodes are posted. So you're going to be able to listen to those episodes without any delay. And of course, listen to them at your leisure. I did want to take some time in this bonus episode to highlight some of the most recent episodes of the podcast in case you have missed out. Or maybe you're a new listener, a new viewer of the podcast, and you haven't had a chance to go back and check them out as of yet. Put out some very, very cool stuff as of recently. Let's start with the most recent episode of the podcast, Boomtown, a history of Las Vegas bombings. My guests for this episode of the podcast are uh, Megan and Anthony Smith from mayhem Now mayhem in the desert is a very, very cool, true crime blog that Megan and Anthony have been working on for the last several years. They go in depth on some of the biggest crime stories from the history of Las Vegas. Some of them are very, very well known, of course. And then some of them, are ones that you may never have heard of before. They cover a lot of ground. And one of the things that they do cover on Mayhem in the Desert are these explosions that have occurred through the history of Las Vegas. And some of them you might be familiar with. For example, um, the murder of Las Vegas attorney David Coulthard, who was uh, an FBI agent who uh, did a lot of uh, work pursuing Benny Binion. And that is alleged to have uh, led to David Coulthard's end, so to speak. Um, We've got a story about the attempted assassination of uh, well-known mobster Frank Lefty Rosenthal. Of course, that story was uh, very well covered in the movie Casino, starring Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Sharon Stone. Uh, That one is covered in there. Uh, There's a story in there about an explosion aboard a Park TWA jetliner that occurred at uh, McCarran Airport. Um, There's some really, really cool stuff in there. There's lots of other very cool stories that we covered as well, so So I highly recommend you go back and check that one out. Also, one of the recent episodes, Big Games, Big Bucks, Las Vegas, and the Economics of Pro Sports. Now, this sounds like a topic that might be a little bit dry. Guaranteed, uh, it was not. My guest was Victor Matheson, who's a, a sports economics professor at the College of the Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts. Now, the idea behind this episode initially was stemmed from the story of the state of Nevada approving the use of $380 million in public funding for construction to build a Major League Baseball stadium for the Oakland A's should they relocate to Las Vegas, which looks like a done deal. Now, we also covered things uh, like public money being used to build Allegiant Stadium for the Raiders. I mean, there's still... Hundreds of millions of dollars of that owing and tens of millions of dollars being pumped into events like the Super Bowl and the upcoming Formula One race. We went in depth on the economics of pro sports, particularly the impact that pro sports can have on a city's economy and whether those same impacts happen in a city like Las Vegas, which already has a a very large amount of economic impact coming to it just strictly through tourism. So it was a really interesting discussion with Victor. I had a a really great time chatting with him and and some very, very timely stuff in there. Uh, Also, Bon Appetit, a conversation with John Curtis. My guest for that episode of the podcast uh, was John Curtis, who's a a Las Vegas-based food and restaurant critic. He's the creator of um, the Eating Las Vegas blog, which you can find at eatinglv.com. And he He was also uh, the co-host of a podcast called Eat, Talk, Repeat, which is a Vegas-based food podcast. We talked about how John got into being a food critic and a restaurant critic. We talked about the evolution of the Vegas food scene over the years and what the future holds for restaurants and cuisines in Las Vegas. We covered a ton of ground. He also shared some of his favorite and not-so-favorite Vegas dining experiences, so there were some fun stories there uh, with John as well. Also, something that was a lot of fun to put together uh, was a a series I called Vegas Book Club. This was a a six part series that I ran over the course of the summer here, where I went back and I reshared conversations that I've had over the years that I've been doing this podcast with authors who have uh, written and released. Vegas-related books, and there's some really, really cool stuff in here. Um, I shared my conversation with Richard Zoglin, who wrote the book Elvis in Vegas. He went in-depth into the history of Elvis in Las Vegas and how Elvis Presley helped to uh, shape the future for Future headliners and future residencies in Las Vegas. So that was a really great conversation. Um, Matthew O'Brien, the writer of Beneath the Neon and Dark Days, Bright Nights, we went in depth on the people who live in the tunnels under the city of Las Vegas. A lot of people aren't familiar with this, but there are hundreds of miles of tunnels that run under the city of Las Vegas. They're designed as flood channels because when it rains in Las Vegas, because the ground is so dry, the water has nowhere to go. So in order to prevent it from flooding the strip, the city has built these tunnels. Well, over the course of the years, these tunnels have also become a home for the large homeless population that lives in Las Vegas. So we went really in depth on that. Eric Sherwood, um, he wrote a book called Delt Stories from My Life on the Felt. Now, Eric is the man behind the Twitter account annoyed pit boss. And there's some great stuff on the Twitter account, some really great stuff in the book. It was a lot of fun resharing that conversation with Eric, talking about his life as a pit boss and his life in the casino business. It was a lot of fun there. Uh, David Schwartz, who is a UNLV professor and uh, Las Vegas historian, he wrote a book called At the Sands, which of course goes in depth on the history of one of the most iconic hotels in the history of Las Vegas. That would be The Sands, perhaps best known for being the home of the Rat packs Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, and of course, uh, the chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra. There's so much more to the story than that. And and David is an incredible author with that book. Some really, really great stories in there. It was a lot of fun, again, resharing that conversation. Dennis Blair, who's a Vegas-based musician and comedian, he put out a book called Touring with Legends. Dennis is a really interesting dude. He's a guy who... I met through some of my other Vegas friends. And as I got talking to Dennis, I came to the realization that, wow, this guy's done some really cool shit. Until he put out his book, I had no idea how cool. He had toured for years with the likes of Rodney Dangerfield. Um, He was Rodney Dangerfield's opening act for many, many years. He toured with Joan Rivers, uh, and he spent almost 18 years touring with the late, great uh, George Carlin. So uh, some just amazing stories in that book. So it was a lot of fun resharing that. And then Steve Sear, who is the subject of a book by Deke Castleman. The book is called Whale Hunt in the Desert. Steve Sear is a, uh, a Vegas host who specializes in working with whales. And if you're not totally familiar with what the term whale means, whales are those people who roll into Vegas on a weekend And drop hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars when they're in town. Steve is the guy who works with those people. Steve is the guy who makes sure that those whales are taken care of. So he had some incredible stories to share. We had a a, a really cool conversation. That one was from way back when I first started the podcast. So it was a lot of fun to go back and listen to that conversation. It had been a long time since I'd actually listened to that conversation. So it was a lot of fun to go back and listen to that. So again, Vegas book club, the series, six episodes, really, really fun. And big thanks to everybody who, uh, who listened to those episodes again and, uh, sent me notes and, and, um, and comments on those episodes too. It was a lot of fun. And then of course, I can't not talk about my May trip report or more accurately, not the May trip report. This was a recap of my trip to Vegas that I took back at the end of May, on which I had a few issues. I had a lot of big ideas and big plans about what I wanted to do on that trip, and basically none of it happened for various reasons. It it was a bit of a shit show. And I actually ended up cutting the trip short and, and going home early. And if you want to find out why I would highly recommend you go back and, and listen to that episode, because there was a lot of really interesting stuff in there. And I got a lot of feedback on that episode. I'm going to talk more about that coming up here on, on what I've got planned for the podcast in the future. Um So, Just make sure you go back and take a listen to it. It wasn't all bad, though. I did share my thoughts on my stay at the Horseshoe and my experience at the Las Vegas Aviators baseball game at Las Vegas Ballpark, um, which were great. But again, I did go in depth on some of the stuff that's happening in Las Vegas. And again, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that coming up here shortly also want to talk about some of the stuff that we've been sharing on youtube as of late the youtube channel just keeps growing and growing thank you to everybody who has signed up and subscribed to the youtube channel youtube.com slash jeff does vegas um starting to grow that and starting to put out some some very cool stuff on there a few new videos on the youtube channel you may have missed out on um f1 in las vegas is turning into an absolute shit show After a story broke here a couple of weeks ago about how Formula One was going to charge fees to businesses, to hotels, restaurants, and clubs that overlooked the F1 racetrack, I was blown away by this. I shouldn't have been knowing what I know about Formula One and how they do business. I really shouldn't have been surprised by any of this, but it, it really was an interesting story. So I decided I'd put out a video and talk about Formula One and, and what's been going on in Las Vegas with F1. It was it was an interesting video to put together. It was a lot of fun and it's been getting a, a lot of views. So thank you to everybody who's checked that out. I did a behind the scenes tour of the studio in which I am currently recording this podcast right now. It's, it's titled behind the scenes, the Jeff does Vegas studio tour. I took everybody on a little trek around, uh, my, my basement here, which, uh, I, Lovingly referred to as Jeff Does Vegas World Headquarters, and uh, I did a, a studio teardown and a studio rebuild, and I put a little time lapse video in there. That a lot of fun. Go back and and check that out. Also put up a video about my stay at the Horseshoe Las Vegas uh, back in May, titled "I Stayed at the Horseshoe Las Vegas and Only Paid Ten Dollars a Night," which I did. Anyways, lots of great stuff available. Uh, you can find all those episodes in the archives at JeffDoesVegas.com. So I find myself in kind of a weird situation here where I have no Vegas trips on the calendar and nothing really in the foreseeable future. Now, why is that? Well, I'm not exactly sure. I, I just, I really haven't had the time to sneak a Vegas trip into my schedule. But if I'm being completely honest, not really missing it all that much. And this is based on a few different things. First of all, looking at the room rates over the course of this summer, they've been ridiculously high. Now, I'm comparing this to the last couple of summers where I was able to get room rates for $15, $20, $30 a night, finding them particularly cheap. And this was at both Caesars and MGM Resorts properties. This year, I don't know what's going on with the costs, but room rates have not been as cheap as they have been in the past. And, and I'm really not hundred percent sure why that is. The weather in Las Vegas this summer has also been ridiculous. They've had one of the hottest summers on records over the last little while. Temperatures have been consistently up around 110, 115 degrees, which if I'm being honest, is just too fucking hot for me. Um, They've had high winds, they've had stuff blowing around, they've had thunderstorms rolling in, and now over the last couple of weeks, there's been wildfires in California that have been kicking up ash and smoke and soot. And those have been blowing into Nevada. So it really doesn't seem all that enjoyable. And again, if I'm being totally honest, based on some of what I've been seeing on social media, as far as pictures and video go of just the size of crowds and the road construction and and just the general overall Vegas experience doesn't really seem all that great right now. So again, if I'm being completely honest with you, I'm not really missing the fact that I don't have a Vegas trip on my calendar for the next little while, which is kind of sad. Now, that being said, I've also had a very, very busy summer. My wife and I spent uh, approximately two weeks out on a road trip in the middle of June. We were on the road. We This is something we wanted to do for the last little while. A couple of years ago, I decided to, um, buy my midlife crisis mobile. I bought a Mini Cooper convertible. I've always wanted to own a convertible and I've always wanted to, to do this. And, and so I decided a couple of summers ago, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to buy this convertible. So we've wanted to do kind of an epic road trip in the convertible. So we decided to uh, take a trek. We drove down through the Okanagan in uh, British Columbia and through the mountains here in Alberta, which was just absolutely gorgeous. We drove down into Portland, Oregon, which is somewhere that we were about 15 years ago and um, we had a really, really good time and we've always wanted to go back. So we did that. And then from Portland, we decided to head up to Seattle. It's been about nine years since we've been to Seattle and we have some friends there. So we wanted to go and and have a visit with them. We had an outstanding vacation. It, it was a really, really nice trip. While we were in Portland, we went and had some some neat little meals and we went and saw some of the sites. We went to the the Rose Garden And, uh, we went to the Pittock mansion and, um, we, we did some wandering around in downtown Portland, which I must say was actually a little bit scary. Um, this is, this is, I don't want to take things in a negative direction here and I really don't want to crap all over a city, but, um, Portland has seen a little bit of a slide over the last few years, which is really, really sad Uh, giving you an example. I mean, we. We were big museum nerds, right? I've mentioned this in other episodes of the podcast. So we decided we were going to go to the science museum. Again, giant nerds. So we were going to go to the science museum and then like a 10 or 15 minute walk away from this museum was this uh, food truck court, which seemed like a really, really cool spot for us to go. So we thought, okay, we're going to go to this museum and then we're going to go uh, to this food truck court and have dinner. Sounds like a great idea. We'll just walk there. It's like ten or fifteen minutes away. As the Uber was taking us to the um, to the science museum, my wife and I looked at each other. We kind of went, "We're not walking anywhere. That's it's not happening." It, it was sketchy AF. So really, really unfortunate, but we still had a really good time. We stayed at a really neat little Airbnb, just kind of outside of Portland, like the main part of Portland and one of the suburbs. It was really, really cool. This place had a a driveway. I got to share this because this was kind of hilarious. So the driveway on this place the the owner of the airbnb warned me in advance and he says the driveway's really steep so make sure you've got some momentum coming as you're you're making your way up the driveway and i thought how steep can it be can't be that bad it, it was it was like that man like it was it was insane my little mini cooper barely made it up like a couple of times the wheels actually did that thing where they were like as we were trying to go up if it had been wet or slippery i'd have been completely screwed but anyways we uh <laughs> We figured out the best route up and the best route down from the driveway. We had a really good time there. We drove uh, down to a place called McMinnville. Um, Again, museum nerd. Aviation Museum, double nerd over here. Uh, There is a a big aviation museum, the Evergreen Aviation Museum in McMinnville, Oregon, just uh, about an hour away from, from Portland. So we took the drive down there and went and saw that place. It was really, really cool. They had some cool aircraft that I'd never seen before and stuff that my wife had never seen before, including the famous Spruce Goose, which maybe, you know, a little bit about the spruce goose. That's the, uh, the big airplane that Howard Hughes built that only flew like, I don't know, it was like two miles or three miles or something at an altitude of like 30 feet in the, the Harbor in California. It, it, it's got a really cool story. Anyways, I put together a, a little, uh, a little video, um, that I shared on Facebook that was, uh, was all about the, uh, the, Evergreen Aviation Museum. So that was kind of cool. So again, we had a really good time with that. We drove our trip from Portland to Seattle. Instead of just taking the short route on the interstates, we decided to make things a little bit interesting. So we drove to Cannon Beach, Oregon, and then up to Astoria. Now, anybody who was born in the mid-70s and grew up in the 80s, you're familiar with Astoria and Cannon Beach, Why? The Goonies. That's why. Astoria and Cannon Beach have been on my list of places to go for, I don't even know how many years now. Because the movie, The Goonies, which was an integral part of my childhood, and just... A movie that to this day, if it is on, I will stop and absolutely watch it. I think it's on Disney Plus here in Canada. I've watched it about 10 times on Disney Plus. I I feel like I'm one of those people that's single-handedly helping to keep it on Disney Plus. Um, Again, it's, it's either Disney Plus or Crave. I can't remember. It's on one of the streaming apps. Anyways, I've watched it a million times. We did the Goonies tour. We went to Cannon Beach and walked out to Haystack Rock, which... If you've seen the movie, you're familiar with it. It's the beach where they do the um, the, the SUV race at, and ATV race at the beginning of the movie. And the Fratellis are are driving the Jeep up the beach and you can see, see Haystack Rock in the background. Now, Haystack Rock is also uh, part of the movie where um, they hold the medallion up to the the rock to figure out where to start their journey. Anyways, really, really cool. And then of course, going to Astoria, Um, that is, has got several spots from the movie, including the county jail where the Fratellis break out of and Mikey's house, which affectionately known as the Goonies house. The previous owner of the Goonies house was not too thrilled with all the attention that was being given to the house. And at one point had actually put up tarps to block the view of the house. The new owner is a huge Goonies fan and bought the house. Not specifically to show it as the Goonies house, but kind of welcomes people. Now I felt, I'll be honest, I felt a little bit weird walking up to a strange house and taking selfies with the house. But of course I absolutely did because yeah, it's the Goonies house. So anyways, it was really, really cool. And then, um, going to Seattle, we had a great time. We stayed at a, uh, an Airbnb in West Seattle And if you follow me on Twitter, I actually shared some of the adventures from this Airbnb. I got stung with the, I don't want to call it a scam, but it's kind of a scam where you pay a cleaning fee, right? And I I mean, I fully expect to pay a cleaning fee at these places because, yeah, they they need to – Generally, a lot of them will have the place professionally cleaned after, after a guest goes through or checks out, right? They'll have a service come in and, and do a cleaning, a vacuuming, clean the bathrooms and the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. But when I checked into this place, my wife was reading through the, the little instruction book. Because if you've ever stayed in an Airbnb, you know that most Airbnb hosts have like a, a little instruction book that they'll put together. This instruction book was crazy or what they were expecting people to do as far as clean up on checkout. They wanted you to um, strip the bed, put all the bedding and the towels in the laundry, start the laundry, separate the garbage, take out the garbage, and wash the dishes. Now, I should add that the cleaning fee for the I was there for three nights, okay? Three nights we were there. The cleaning fee was hundred dollars Canadian. So I'm paying 30 odd dollars a night in a cleaning fee. And I'm doing half the cleaning myself. I will say I have no problem with doing dishes when I stay at an Airbnb because, um, I use the dishes, right? I'm, I'm, Eating there, I'm having breakfasts, I'm making coffee, I'm not cooking full-on meals. I could have cooked a full-on meal in this place. The kitchen was set up, was really nice. And and the the suite itself was really, really nice too. It was spacious. I mean, it's bigger than some of my first apartments that I I lived in. It was really, really nice. But again, I'm paying a hundred dollar cleaning fee and doing half of the cleaning myself. And the best part was. This was my favorite part of this whole story. So we, because we took the small car, we didn't have a lot of room to bring like two weeks worth of clothes. Right. So we had to do laundry halfway through. So we're going to do laundry at this place. And part of the reason I booked this place specifically was because it had a laundry machine in the suite. So, I go to do the laundry. Now we had brought our own little laundry sheets to do laundry, the soap sheets. But I thought, you know what, if you're going to charge me a hundred dollars and then make me do all my own laundry uh, or start my own laundry, I going not use your soap well, screw that. So I go to get the soap to do the laundry. There's no soap. I looked in the closets. I looked in all the stores. If so there's no soap. So I send a message to the host and I say, okay, um, Hey, I went to do the laundry and there's no soap. Um, is it somewhere like, am I missing something? Like what's the deal? So she messages me back and she says, Oh, the person that usually does all my cleaning and looks after all that stuff has been six and I've been away traveling. So I, I don't, there, there must not be any, um, there's a a shop nearby where you can run out and, and buy some soap. I looked at that and I just went, Oh, hell no. That is not a thing. I'm not giving you $30 a day for a cleaning fee, doing most of the cleaning myself, and buying you soap. That is not happening. So anyways, I didn't reply. I didn't respond to that message because I thought there's nothing that I can say that isn't going to be rude um, in that particular moment of rage. So then... Uh, in the middle of the night, I get another message from her that says, oh, my husband is going to be home from traveling here tomorrow. I can get him to bring you some soap tomorrow. And so I just replied and said, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. And then we, of course, we did our laundry using our own laundry sheet. And then when we we were leaving on the whatever morning it was, the Saturday morning, I think it was, that we were heading out the door, um, or our last morning we were heading out the door, um, we used their soap to do the laundry. But I just thought the balls to say, oh, we don't have any soap. You can go buy soap. By the way, we're charging you this and we're making you do all these things. Anyways, I wrote a review for the Airbnb and I included the fact that this, all this stuff was in, was, was being asked of you to do the cleaning. And the, the, the little book that they gave you as a little instruction book, the host book all it said, it was just a book of rules was all it was. Whereas the one that we stayed at in Portland was really good. It had a listing of where the nearest stores were and where some nearby local restaurants were and local pubs and suggestions of things to do and things to see and da 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 all that stuff. This was just, it was a book of rules. It was, and they were terrible rules. I mean, that being said, I have read some Airbnb horror stories lately about people that are asking their Airbnb guests to like, completely clean the house and sign for packages and feed farm animals and water plants and empty litter boxes and all this kind of shit so anyways it could have been worse could have been better um anyway that was our trip through portland and seattle and the okanagan it was it was a really good trip we had a lot of fun we had a really nice time weather was great for the first half second half was a little iffy but anyways it was a great trip um more travel plans uh, as you're watching this uh, on YouTube or listening to this podcast. Um, I'm currently in Denver, Colorado, a place that I have never been before. Another road trip. Uh, I am down here for a uh, podcast movement, which if you remember the March trip report episode, um, I was in Vegas for the slightly smaller version of this podcast conference. Uh, it's, it was called podcast movement evolution. Um this one is podcast movement. It's the bigger conference. There's more sessions. There's more people. There's more exhibitors. Um, two day trip down and back again. Taking the Mini Cooper convertible, hoping that the weather is is decent uh, throughout the trip, so that I can get a little top down time and maybe, uh, hopefully, not get a sunburn like I ended up with uh, on the trip down to uh, to Portland. It was it was a ridiculous sunburn. It, it was. It was my own stupidity. I didn't put sunscreen on properly, or I put it on too late. Anyways, it was hilarious. Um, looking forward to this this conference in a big way. Um, looking forward to hanging out with uh, all the podcast peeps and spending some time at some really really cool education sessions. There's some some great speakers and some some very cool um session administrators going on. Uh, I want to learn some more stuff. I want to get myself re-energized and, and back into this podcast swing. The summer, I kind of, I'm not going to lie, I kind of slacked it off this summer. Um, Vegas Book Club was uh, was a great way to um, reshare some old material and kind of make life easy through the summer so that I could take a little bit of time to myself, spend some time with my wife, do a little bit of traveling. But once you get into that mindset it's really hard to get back into a okay i need to do this mindset. So hopefully by spending some time around some um like-minded folks who are there to learn and who are there to um to to grow their podcast and grow their brand, um hopefully this this will energize me to get me back into the swing of things for the fall. So really really looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great time. Am I going to plan a Vegas trip anytime in the near future? I, I hope so. Um, I was looking at the possibility of a September trip, but a lot of that is just going to depend on my schedule and, and whether or not I'm actually able to get away. My wife is is getting away for a, a bit of time. She's going away for a week for a, a fellowship, for work. So I don't know if I'm going to have the the time or the ability to be able to, to get away myself. Um, I had thought about an October trip. I've done October trips before and I've always really, really enjoyed them, but the room rates in October seem to be really, really high. Um, I don't know what's going on. I think there's a, a lot of conventions that kind of get into October. There's a ton of big concerts and festivals through the fall. I think sports are starting to get underway as well. So I know that's driving up room rates a little bit. So the room rates are, are not nearly as reasonable as what I'm used to. No $10 a night rooms at the horseshoe. I'll tell you that. And then November as a possibility, mm-hmm. ah, no, no. Formula One, Las Vegas Grand Prix, November 16th to 18th is going to, Vegas is already a shit show. Because of Formula One with the construction and the road closures that are currently going on in the weeks and days leading into Formula One, we're going to be talking about further closures because now we're getting into things like grandstand construction and signage and barriers and fencing and all these things that are going to have to be done in order to prepare for Formula One to to roll into Las Vegas no, it's not going to be any fun. Room rates are, are already starting to pick up the formula one room rates are, are nuts for that weekend. If you want to get an idea, uh, of, of what they're like, um, go back in the YouTube archives and watch my formula. One is an absolute shit show video, because you'll see what I mean when I'm talking about that. So I, and just based on what I experienced during my trip in May with formula one construction going on at that point, Um, I just, I don't need any more of that insanity in my life. So really that just leaves December. Um, most likely going to try to make it for my birthday. I have been to Vegas for my birthday every year since 2015 with the exception of the, the COVID year with, uh, December, 2020, I didn't get down for that birthday. Um, but I've been down every year for my birthday, Since 2015, I would like to try to keep that streak going. Of course, I also try to tie it in with the, um, the anniversary show, uh, for Monday's dark, which of course is always a big thing, very near and dear to me, uh, with that cause. And with that event, I've got a lot of friends that are involved in that, that event. And, and so I would like to make it, um, down for that show. This is the 10th anniversary of Monday's Dark. So it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a really, really great show. So I, I, I would love to be down there for that. So fingers crossed, knock on wood, I'm going to be able to make it down for that. Now, room rates are usually decent in mid-December, but they already seem to be starting to creep up so I don't know what's going on in mid-December. I know National Final Rodeos, uh National Finals Rodeo, I should say, NFR is at the beginning of December this year. It's usually um it's usually it's weird. The calendar is strange this year. It's usually done by the first week of December, but this year for some reason instead it's like um finishing in the first week or after the first week of december so that is is kind of messing with some some scheduling and some timing so um i don't know i'm going to keep an eye on the room rates i'm going to keep an eye on the flights and and hopefully fingers crossed knock on wood i'm going to be able to get back down to vegas very very soon and get you guys another world famous jeff does vegas trip report <laughs> So I do have some really, really cool stuff coming up on the podcast, and I wanted to kind of bring you behind the curtain and, and share some of those ideas and some of those upcoming episodes with you, because again, some really, really cool stuff. To start with, I'm going to be reaching out here to Jeff Schumacher from the Mob Museum. Jeff, of course, is the vice president of exhibits and programs at the Mob Museum in Las Vegas, one of my favorite attractions in Las Vegas. If you haven't ever been to the Mob Museum, you have got to put it on your list of places to go on your next Las Vegas trip because it is absolutely incredible. Jeff has been on the podcast Seven times I believe he is the the guest that has been here the most and I've said this before but I'll say it again I'm really really proud of the relationship that I've managed to Um put together with the folks at the the mob museum I love the fact that I can reach out to them get them on the podcast have a conversation with them They are a wealth of knowledge the museum in general, of course is a wealth of knowledge But but show is uh, so is jeff specifically um Jeff was on last time we talked about Benny Binion, who of course was the the guy behind uh, Binion's Horseshoe in downtown Las Vegas. Um, he was the creator of the World Series of Poker. He was instrumental in bringing National Finals Rodeo to Las Vegas. Uh, he was also uh, a, a mobster. There's no other way to put it. He, he was involved in organized crime in Las Vegas. Now, his son, Ted, was also somewhat involved in organized crime and had a very crazy and and tragic life. Initially, I wanted to include Ted's story in my last conversation with with Jeff. But as we got more and more into the Benny Binion story and more and more into the Ted Binion story, I realized there was no way that I was going to be able to do this all in one episode and that Ted Binion deserved his own episode of the podcast. So we're going to be doing that coming up. Ted had a a very, very interesting life, as mentioned, took a a very tragic turn, ended with his murder, his girlfriend and her lover were implicated in his death. Their stories of buried treasure and hidden vaults. It's it's really, really bizarre. Anyways, very much looking forward to uh, to talking to Jeff again about that. Kathy Scott is an author that I'm planning to have on the podcast here very shortly. She's going to be coming on to talk about the still unsolved murder of rap legend, Tupac Shakur. Now, if you're not familiar with the Vegas connection between uh, Tupac Shakur um, and Las Vegas, allow me to explain. Tupac was shot in Las Vegas, September, 1996. This was uh, following a boxing match at the MGM grand in Las Vegas. Word is there was a a scuffle between Tupac's entourage and another group of individuals um, in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. Tupac was riding in a car with um, Suge Knight, who at the time was the CEO of Death Row Records. Another car pulled up alongside them, opened fire. Tupac was shot, uh, sent to the hospital, died six days after the shooting. Now, this occurred... At the corner of Flamingo Road and Koval Lane, which is about a block east of the Las Vegas Strip, just behind the Horseshoe, what used to be Bally's, kind of right near Ellis Island. Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I walked through that intersection probably a half a dozen times before I realized what the historical significance of that intersection was people go to that spot on a daily basis, specifically because that is the spot where Tupac Shakur uh, was shot. They write uh, messages in memorial to him on the, uh, the light posts and the street posts in that area. Um, they stand there, they take pictures and there are even rumors that the ghost of Tupac Shakur haunts that street corner. Um, Tupac's murder has been the subject of a lot of different conspiracy theories, um, a lot of different people with all different ideas about what happened. There are people, of course, that still believe Tupac is actually still alive and living somewhere. Despite the extensive investigations into this murder, nobody has ever been charged and nobody's ever been convicted. However, the story of Tupac Shakur's murder is back in the news as of late. This is thanks to the recent execution of search warrants by Las Vegas police in relation to the case and new evidence that has come to light in the last little while. Kathy is the author of a book called The Killing of Tupac Shakur, which is considered to be the definitive account of Tupac's murder. It is a Los Angeles times bestseller. It's in its third or fourth edition. There's tons of stuff in there, lots of exclusive interviews. So I'm going to have Kathy on the podcast and we're going to go deep into the, the, the story of Tupac Shakur and the murder of Tupac Shakur. It's going to be some really, really interesting stuff. Um, I've reached out to John katz lamedes a.k.a. Johnny Katz. He's a entertainment columnist at the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Um, I've had John on the podcast before. We had a really, really cool conversation about his life as an entertainment reporter in Las Vegas. John is the guy. If you want to know what's happening in Las Vegas, you want to know about the cool hangs. You want to know about shows that are opening, shows that are closing, headliners that are going to be coming to town. Um, Johnny is the guy. You've got to read his article. You need to follow him on social media. Very, very much recommended. Well, John is going to be stepping into the hosting seat for season three of one of my all-time favorite podcasts, Mobbed Up, which is set for release on September the 14th. Season three is going to be telling the story of legendary Las Vegas mob defense lawyer and former mayor Oscar Goodman, who, by the way, just celebrated his 84th birthday. And it is still just sharp as a tack. Very, very cool stuff. So really, really looking forward to that. John spent, I think he said about 15 or 16 hours. I talked to him about this back in March, the last time I saw him in Las Vegas. And he was saying it was like 15 or 16 hours that he spent with Oscar originally. They kind of thought that it would just sort of be um, one episode in the series. And then of course, the more they started talking to Oscar, the more they realized, hey, you know what? This this should just be uh, a series in and of itself. So that's going to be season three. Again, September 14th, season three of Mobbed Up is set for release. If you haven't listened to season one or season two of Mobbed Up yet, Definitely recommend you go and check it out. Season one was all about the um, the rise of organized crime in Las Vegas and a little bit into the history of the rise elsewhere in the U.S. as well. Um, went in-depth in the story of Frank Lefty Rosenthal, Tony the Ant Spalatro, and uh, the host, Reed Redman. He spent a lot of time interviewing um, late mob enforcer Frank Culotta, who in and of itself, self lived an incredibly interesting life. Um, he was part of the hole in the wall gang. He, uh, apparently committed murders. He was in the witness protection program for a while. He spent some time in jail, um, Really, really cool stuff in in that whole series. Uh, season two of the podcast was the story of the original Aladdin Hotel in Las Vegas, including um, the involvement of the Teamsters. The Teamsters Union, of course, financed a lot of different hotels in Las Vegas, including the Aladdin, the Vegas connection with Jimmy Hoffa, and the battle between—I didn't know this was a thing until I listened to this series—the battle between Johnny Carson and Wayne Newton— for ownership of the Aladdin. That was season two of the mobbed up podcast. That one was hosted by uh, the late Jeff Gehrman who did an incredible job putting together that series of the podcast, but I'm so stoked and really, really excited about season three of mobbed up. And hopefully I'm going to be able to get Johnny cats on the podcast to have a conversation with him uh, about the mobbed up podcast and what it was like to be a part of that. Um, This one's a little touchy because I don't want it to come off like I'm shitting on Las Vegas because I love Las Vegas. Anybody that's been a listener of the podcast for any length of time knows I love Las Vegas, but um, I'm putting together a, a series of episodes titled what the hell happened to Vegas? What I'm doing for this is I am inviting other Las Vegas podcasters, vloggers, and content creators to come on the show and have a conversation about what's currently happening in Las Vegas. I have a lot of big ideas, okay? And the original idea for this was I wanted to do it as like a, a, a round table live stream video discussion with all of these content creators. The idea of trying to do it in person would have been really, really cool. Um, Logistically, not possible. Obviously, it's just to try to get everybody together all at once is is crazy. So I thought, okay, let's do it by video. We can certainly do it. I have my ways. There's lots of different streaming platforms that I could use to do it. Then I realized, again, the logistics. Like, I was looking at getting like five or six other creators. (laughs) And the logistics of getting six independent content creators together at once it's just not going to happen i mean we all have lives we all have things to do we all have things going on that just to try to get the schedule together at once was just not going to work so instead what i've decided to do is do it um, individually and bring everybody on one at a time and have these conversations with everyone and again i don't want it to come across like i'm i'm Shitting on Las Vegas, but it all kind of stems from my less than stellar experience during my trip back at the end of May and the things that I talked about in the not the May trip report episode of the podcast, which, by the way, I got a ton of reaction and feedback on that from listeners, probably more than I've had about any other episode in a very long time. The only other episode I think I've had this much feedback and reaction to was my interview with an escort episode, which was like years ago. And by the way, it's still my number one most downloaded episode. Anyways, it seemed that there were a lot of people agreeing with some of the observations that I made in that episode of the podcast and again, I don't want it to come across like I'm shitting on Vegas, but some of the things I want to talk about, I want to talk about um, the financial end of going to Las Vegas right now and and things like people being nickel and dime to death by fees and some of the outrageous food and drink prices and how prices have, have increased immensely over the last, particularly the last 12 to 18 months and, and how they really seem like they're getting out of hand and how, how tipping is getting ridiculous. Everybody's got their hand out for a tip in Las Vegas right now. It's, it's just, it's completely insane. And, and the lack of perceived value in Las Vegas, Vegas used to seem like a, a trip that you could do on the cheap. And that is just not a thing anymore. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about, um, the state of the strip talk about things like um, the aggressive showgirls and the characters who want pictures and the street performers and the, the unlicensed street vendors. I talked about Las Vegas street meet during the May trip report episode, um, the cleanliness on the strip or how, or the lack thereof how it just seems real dirty and gungy, a little bit sensitive on the topic of homelessness on the strip and, and, and what can maybe be done about that. Or if, if I'm just, noticing an increase now or if it's always been like that. And then the perception of Um, increased crime and the lack of safety on the strip. There've been a lot of stories in the news as of late about assaults and robberies and murders and shootings on the strip and things just really seem to be getting out of hand. Um, I want to talk about Vegas as a family destination. I've noticed it on my last few trips. I know others have noticed it as well. The increased number of, uh, people who are bringing their whole families and bringing kids to Las Vegas. Um, I want to talk about issues at hotels because a lot of people have been complaining about um, all kinds of issues at hotels. Again, lack of cleanliness, uh, lack of service staff, no more daily housekeeping in the hotels, the fees that people are getting hammered with, whether it's um, resort fees and parking fees, self-service becoming more and more of a thing in Las Vegas, right? Everything from check-in being done, self-service kiosk, to valet you don't even hand your ticket to a a person anymore at some of these properties you you push a button in and then they bring your car like it seems like it's really getting out of hand with some of that stuff and something i'm not familiar with because i'm not as big of a gambler when it comes to las vegas but i know others are things people have been complaining about is uh things like tighter slots uh worse payouts on blackjack more six five instead of three two payouts on blackjack um worse payouts on roulette and higher low limits on tables where it used to be $5 tables. Now those are 15 and $20 tables. So these are all the things that I want to talk about. And I, if I can figure out a way to, to spin it in a positive manner, I will. Um, but I, I think it's going to be really, really tough to do. So I'm looking forward to that. Also looking at the return of sin city stories, now, if you're not familiar with Sin City Stories, this was a, a series of podcasts that I did back in 2010, uh, 2020, rather during COVID, when I couldn't travel to Las Vegas, but I still wanted to to share something with the audience. So, being the the Vegas history nerd that I am, I started taking these deep dives into Las Vegas history. They were long form documentary style podcast episodes. There was music, there was sound effects, there was voice production. It was a lot of fun to put together. There's seven episodes available right now. You can get them at sincitystoriespod.com or you can also find them in the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com. If you are a fan of the the movie Oppenheimer, which of course has been big at the theaters this summer, uh, there's actually an Atomic Vegas episode that you're going to want to go back and check out so you can find out the the Nevada connection to the uh, the nuclear age. Some really fun stuff in there. Anyways, doing those episodes takes a lot of work. There is a ton of research and production involved. If I had to guesstimate, I'd say that each of those episodes is anywhere from 20 to 30 hours of work, maybe even 40 hours of work. It's, it's just a lot of work and and keeping in mind too, that's if I'm not working on any other Jeff does Vegas episodes, any other podcasts. So I'm debating on come the fall Maybe taking a break from regular podcast episodes to work on some Sin City Stories episodes. It's a thing. Maybe we'll see Uh, some of the things that I'm looking to cover. I'm looking at talking about some of the casinos and hotels that are turning 30 this year. Luxor, MGM Grand, and Treasure Island all celebrate their 30th anniversaries this year. So I thought it might be fun to kind of take a dive into the the stories of the, the concept and the design and the construction of those properties. Talk about the early days of those resorts, some of the changes that have happened over the years and what the future may hold for those resorts. I want to talk about the Fountain Blue, which is slated to open uh, by the end of 2023. Is it going to happen? they're saying it is this is a resort that is well over a decade in the making i want to say it's like 15 years that fountain blue has been in the planning it's it's been an absolute nutshell anyways i want to talk about some of the controversy in the background surrounding that covered it a little bit in the very first episode of sin city stories but things have changed and things have evolved in, in that story I want to cover the uh, the rise and fall of Steve Wynn. Uh, this is very timely considering Steve Wynn just agreed to pay a $10 million fine over claims of alleged sexual misconduct in the workplace. And he also has to cut all ties with the casino industry in Nevada, which is crazy considering he's one of the guys who was a, a visionary who actually built a lot of the casino industry along the strip. He was the guy that that coined the term mega resort with the Mirage and and Treasure Island. And of course, he was involved in the Golden Nugget and and of course, the win, which bears his name. Um, He was also heavily involved in the casino industry uh, elsewhere in the US and Asia as well. So I definitely want to get into some of that. And then something I want to cover as well. This one's kind of a a story that came to light as I was doing research about the MGM Grand. I want to do the history of of a show called FX, which might be one of the most bizarre shows ever to grace the Vegas strip. It opened at the MGM grand in 1995, ran through until 2002 stars of the show included Broadway legend, Michael Crawford. He was the one that opened the show. Uh, Partridge family heartthrob, David Cassidy was a part of it. And then eighties legend, Rick Springfield. He was also a part of this show. So, I kind of want to go into this because it's got a really fascinating backstory. It's really, really interesting stuff. And then finally, something else I want to talk about is um, some famous Vegas deaths and burials. These are famous people who have either met their end in Las Vegas. Or famous people who are buried in Las Vegas. I want to go deep into their, their life stories, their Vegas connection, and the circumstances surrounding their deaths. So very, very excited at the possibility of bringing Sin City stories back. And again, so much cool stuff planned for the podcast. I cannot wait to share it with you. So before we wrap things up here, just a few quick reminders for you. Uh, First of all, make sure you sign up to become a Jeff Does Vegas Insider. It's only five bucks a month and it gets you early access to commercial free versions of the podcast plus some very cool bonus content exclusively for Jeff Does Vegas insiders. Also, a free 30 minute Jeff Does Vegas vacation consultation. This is still something that I'm wanting to do for you. Uh, you can find the link on the website at jeffdoesvegas.com. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. You can find that at youtube.com slash jeffdoesvegas. You can also link directly from the website at Does vegas.com there's video versions of the podcast on there as well plus lots of other great videos we're just over 400 subscribers on there not a ton on the channel but it is starting to get there we'd love to hit that 500 mark and get to that point where we can maybe get that much closer to making a few bucks off the podcast also make sure you go and follow us on apple Podcasts, spotify and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts so you're going to be notified as soon as new episodes are released plus want to invite you to rate and review the podcast i would love to hear what you think about the show please 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 let me know make sure you follow us on social media as well facebook instagram and now on threads at jeff does vegas still on twitter or x as it's uh, now being called likely not going to stick around on there for very long i'm actually planning on deactivating that account within the next month or so it's just become a big time dumpster fire on uh, twitter or X. I, I hate the idea of abandoning the family and the community that i've cultivated and created on x or twitter i gotta call it twitter i can't call it x anyways it's a pretty solid group on there but things are just really kind of going sideways on there and the craziness on on x it just makes me angry and i don't need that kind of negativity in my life and of course as always if you have questions about the podcast or questions about vegas you've got feedback or idea for episodes uh please reach out to me directly via email you can get me jeff at jeffdoesvegas.com thank you so much for listening and or watching really really appreciate it have a great one